Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. From Mamma Mia, welcome to The Spill, your snackable daily podcast for your pop culture fix. Hi, I'm Laura Brodnick, Mamma Mia's entertainment editor. And I'm Kiris. I work at Mamma Mia's social media agency called Social Squad. And the weekend is so close, I can taste it. It's only Thursday, buddy. Slow down. Oh, but what Two full days of work to go. Why are you so downer on me? This was my positivity. But get ready for the weekend. Just, just trying to bring you back down to reality. Every time. Soul crushing. On the show today, Robert Pattinson is on the cover of GQ, but is this the most chaotic celebrity profile of all time? No, I mean, I guess that's why I'm attracted to it. I mean, I guess my idea of a good time is in probably the majority of people's eyes a bad time. <laughs> and Alison Roman has issued a public apology for comments she made about Chrissy Teigen, but is this just added fuel to the fire? But to kick off the show today, the biggest celeb headline that is dominating the news cycle is reports that after five years of marriage, Mary-Kate Olsen is divorcing her husband, Oliver Sarkozy. So this immediately piqued my interest because I feel like every other person who is in our generation is obsessed with the Olsen twins and have always been obsessed with this relationship. So obviously sad that it's over, but tell me everything I need to know. Yeah, so the main fact dominating the headlines here is the fact that Mary-Kate Olsen signed a petition for divorce back in April 17, and the documents have just been obtained by Us Weekly. But the New York court said that they have filed an emergency um, emergency divorce petition just because the courts are not currently accepting divorce filings because of the COVID-19 crisis. And so she's trying to push the paperwork through as quickly as she can to end her marriage. But what's also kind of quite an interesting is the wrong word. What's also quite, I guess, distressing from the situation is that TMZ, of course, those old cats who are always kind of getting people's um, legal documents without their permission, have obtained documentation that say that Sarkozy's attorney sent a deadline to Mary-Kate Olsen saying that she had to have all her things moved out of their New York apartment by May 18. And she's now claimed that he's trying to force her out and he terminated the lease on their home without her knowledge. And now she's saying that she doesn't have time to kind of meet that deadline of moving out of their marital home. So yeah, a lot of quite distressing things going on behind the scenes there. Yeah, geez, it does. Sounds like it's getting quite messy. I also read that she has asked that their prenuptial agreement be enforced. So I obviously don't encourage this, but I would like TMZ to find that for me because I'd love to know (laughs) what was in that agreement. Um, I just that their relationship has always been in the spotlight, not just because of their 17-year-old, uh, the 17-year age gap between them, but the fact that their wedding very infamously didn't really have any of the traditional wedding decorations, flowers, anything like that. All they had was a reception filled with bowls of cigarettes covering each table so everyone could smoke throughout the night. Oh, it's so French and so 
bloody, I know it's not cool, but like, oh, it's just like Hollywood, you know? It's what I love about Hollywood. It's what you love about Hollywood is people openly smoking at weddings. Well, it's just like such, like no one we know would do that, you know? But of course, like Mary-Kate would do it. Yes. Well, obviously our hearts go out to Mary-Kate Olsen, who will always hold a special place for our generation. And I guess we'll have to see what TMZ unfortunately uncovers next about their divorce. I'll be saying my prayers tonight. Sexy vampire turned Batman, Robert Pattinson covers the June-July issue of GQ. And Laura, this is hands down one of the most chaotic celeb interviews that I've ever read. He's taking weird self-portraits, he's blowing up his microwave, he's eating tuna straight out of the can. What the hell's going on here? I've heard this interview described as a fever dream, and I think that that really suits the tone of the article in so many ways because the journalist spoke to Rob Pattinson over a series of days and from what we know about it he's quarantined in the um the home that the Batman team production team have set up with him in London um they're sending him all his meals over and his exercise regime and stuff so he's in this really kind of structured holding pattern during his quarantine but he's just kind of I feel like just lost track of time and space and sense and all those things. And so the um, journalist has really caught him at a moment in time where he's even more unreserved than he usually is in interviews. Yeah, I'm going to say definitely. I think it's weird because he starts off the profile piece and I think, oh, Robert Pattinson is is definitely not coping in isolation. But then he kind of, then the reporter leads with like, he was made for isolation. And I'm like, this is already so wild. Yeah, well, I think in that sense of saying he was made for isolation is that he kind of does talk about losing sense of time. But at the same time, he is in a sense an introvert and and wanting to sort of be within his own mind. So I think that's kind of why. But I think it was interesting how they first, First off, went to the talk about his his body and kind of getting ready for Batman because I think the understanding is that you would if you're leading a franchise like that that is so situated on what your body will look like and having it look a certain kind of muscly way that we expect superheroes to look that you would expect him to be spending all his time maintaining that for the studio that's paying him millions of dollars for the role. Instead, he talks about the fact that any celebrities who are exercising right now are part of the problem and setting a dangerous precedent. Yeah, I kind of love that I just need more people to please say that so I can not feel bad about myself watching at home workouts on Instagram but I think it was interesting how he even made the point that he had called Zoe Kravitz who we talked about yesterday who's playing Catwoman opposite him and she's been working out five times a week so it's like she isn't letting that kind of slip up as a result of COVID but he's kind of like fine with it I guess but I would if I was him I would be stressed out about it well, he makes the point that James Dean wasn't ripped. And then I found this quite fun. I love how he pokes fun at himself for being a Twilight. He does it. He does it in every interview. Like we talked about this last time we talked about his fragrance interview and the interview was not bringing up Twilight, but he does. It's like, he keeps like poking the bear. I know. But he was like, I was back when I, he was like, back when I was in the Twilight franchise, the one time they told me to take my shirt off, they told me to put it straight back on. Yeah. Which I find hard to believe. But anyway. I remember him being shirtless at least once and it was delicious. I thought when he talked about the fact of how he picked his characters following the success of the, of the Twilight franchise was really interesting because he talks in the article about how he really tried to stay away from being typecast in kind of period dramas or English roles because that wasn't his, um, wasn't the kind of area he wanted to pursue. But he also taught, he didn't really go into this, but I feel like he also very much stayed away from headlining another big franchise after Twilight, which really interestingly, I feel like he and Kristen Stewart, like I don't mean to keep pairing them together, but they both went through that same 
same kind of huge twilight hype. They had their relationship and they broke up. But then it's almost like their career trajectories have mirrored each other in a way. They both went and did like lots of indie films overseas. They both went under the radar because they both had that cushion of that twilight money to keep them going to do smaller projects. And now it's almost like at the same time, they've come back into the spotlight headlining these big franchises for the first time, like her with Charlie's Angels and him now with Batman. And it's so weird that after almost like, what is it, 10 years since Twilight, like something crazy like that, their careers are going in the same way. Yeah, that's such an interesting point. Well, I kind of think it goes it goes into another thing that he revealed. So he said that, you know, after he had, had chosen different roles and he was kind of learning from them, he came to a point where he had felt really kind of in control for once and that he had come off the back of a really great year but he was beginning the year, which was 2019, with uh, with no job, no work at all. So he kind of called his agent being like, hey, what's going on? I've had great reviews. I've been in really great work, but I'm feeling like the past 12 months of my work is just kind of like a pile of trash. His agent then said to him, well, you're not really on the list, speaking about this kind of mm. mythical list. And the list that they're referencing is this A-list of A-list actors who are considered for A-list parts. And it wasn't necessarily because they didn't want him to be in the movies, but everyone was thinking that he wouldn't do this type of stuff. So inadvertently coming off the back of a huge franchise, really choosing to focus on indie films, he'd almost pigeonholed himself in a way where where people thinking that he was too much of a serious actor to be part of like such a big blockbuster or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think to get a straight answer from that, we'd have to speak to Robin Pattinson's assistant because it really sounds like she's running the ship here. He said he called her before the interview to ask what he should say. And he said that after every interview, she calls him immediately and says, like, what fires do I need to put out? And he also calls her when he needs to her to explain movie characters that he's already done. It's like she's his kind of... Yes. Um, Instead of a publicist or something like that, his assistant is his kind of um, person who puts his thoughts into order and sort of has to do the cleanup when his interviews go a little bit wild, which they so often do, which I think brings us to the part of the interview that has really made headlines across the world, I'm going to say, which is Rob Pattinson attempting to cook pasta and just not really nailing it. Oh, God. So this is hilarious, right? I... (laughs) It just did not stop. It was like a car crash. So they had decided a few days into this report that they were going to switch it up and Robert Pattinson said he was going to cook for him because they were kind of overdoing FaceTime. And he buys this random kind of, he doesn't have anything in his fridge, so he buys this random bag of things, you know, fresh cheese slices, sauce, things like that, and he kind of starts. Cornflakes because corn he can get breadcrumbs. Exactly. An old dusty box of cornflakes that apparently wasn't even okay to buy from the shops. It was so disgusting, so that's fun. But before he, he starts to cook this thing, I guess, he kind of prefaces it with the fact that he had a really great business idea last year and and wanted to is like obsessed with pasta and he kind of had the same thought of like why can't pasta be you know as fast foody as say like burger or pizza and he wanted to capitalize on the idea of of holding making pasta that you can hold in your hand and <laughs> and revealed that he pitched it to like this amazing restaurateur called Lily Massimini who this is the kicker confirmed that everything he said about it was 100% true yeah so he kind of he put it in the microwave and he burnt his hand and then he tried to sort of make a layered pasta yeah it was like he was he was what he was attempting to build and what he kind of did build is almost like a 
block of pasta that you can hold like an ice cream sandwich or a burger and bite into it. And that has been the headline that everyone has picked up. Can I just say, everyone's kind of acting like Robert Pattinson is just like a little bit, you know, off the hook and he's a bit crazy and doesn't know what he's doing. I think he knows exactly what he's doing because he goes into these interviews. Exactly. And he kind of does allude to that in the interview saying like, I know I have to give you something a bit crazy. So he's going into these interviews that are meant to be really in-depth profiles about his professional and personal life, but he is so notoriously private. I think in the last few years, he's really on a winning streak of doing something in an interview that becomes the headline. So no one delves into his personal life or any kind of really difficult questions. Like no one's asked him about his relationship with Suki Waterhouse, who apparently is living in the apartment with him, but he's so private about that. Instead, everyone's latched onto the pasta. And I think he's done that as like performance art so that he does, he can kind of keep his private life separate. It's like when he told the world earlier this year that he smells like a crayon. Robin Pattinson doesn't think he smells like a crayon. <laughs> he just said that because he needs to make a headline that would kind of give like laughter and that we could all be a bit like that could be like a silly headline so it wouldn't have to have any kind of bearing on his personal life I think so who knows if anything that. he said here yeah I know but I you just can, don't think no, anyone's really see it in that the, up the images though like I'm looking at the images and he's shot all of these himself either he's done it on a self-timer or Suki is there bloody taking those photos <laughs> but he's like laying backwards on a couch like looking into the mirror he's like standing in his um wardrobe with ties tied around his arms in a full suit he's like i don't even know how he's done this he's opened up his beauty cabinet and he's projected an image onto a stack of toilet paper like is no one seeing this for what it is. He is taking the complete piss here. Like he's just relishing in this moment and living for it. Exactly. I think Rob Patson is the ultimate performance artist and he's just trolling us all. But if you want to go and read the full profile, just set aside two hours because it is very long and you'll need some time to take it in. It's on the GQ website. So the internet has been very crazy from last week into this week about this story about Alison Roman. So she is an author and food columnist for the New York Times, and she did an interview with the new consumer about how she wants to grow her brand. So the article was published back on Thursday, and in it she criticized the business model of Marie Kondo and said that she was horrified by the cravings empire that was created by Chrissy Teigen. So Chrissy Teigen then addressed the comments that came out and said that it was a huge bummer and hit her hard due to the fact that she was such a champion of Alison and, and really liked her. Alison then apologized on Twitter last week and tried to kind of clarify the words that she had used. And people were pissed. Either way, Chrissy got in trouble, Alison got in trouble, but then we got another really long apology yesterday from Allison. Yeah, exactly. And this this, this new apology from Allison Roman is really what I wanted to highlight because I think kind of setting aside any um, drama that's unfolding on Twitter as there always is, I think it really highlights what we're seeing, especially this year, as a really growing trend around the art of celebrity apologies. So there's a couple of different ways you can go with them now. And they've become such a currency because back in the day, back in the olden days, if a celebrity or public figure did something wrong, there was only a couple of media outlets who, like newspapers or magazines, so they, you had to work within the print cycle deadlines. And a lot of the time they had a certain amount of control because their publicist would have relationships with media outlets and they could call them and you know offer up an apology or a bit of a deal saying, well, if you don't run this thing, we'll give you this. You can't control that anymore because like the arm of social media people who take part in these pylons, you can't reach out to all of them. So you have to really 
hit the nail on the head with your apology. And Alison Roman didn't do that with her first apology. She kind of made a joke about baby's first internet pylon, which went really badly. And then you can see she crafted a quick apology herself and post on Twitter saying she's really sorry she upset everyone. Neither of those went over well. And then days later, this big two-page really formal apology came out. And a lot of people are speculating, which I think is true, is that a crisis team or a PR apology expert, both of you know those things exist as real jobs, have stepped in and actually worded this entire apology for her. And the way you can tell is that the language is completely different. It's really measured. It's taken like different criticisms from multiple media outlets, not just the people it targeted and has addressed them. And it's just a really, I think it's a really ingenious example of what happens when an apology is done right by a professional. Yeah, I mean, you can't fault the apology that she's released, the the latest one. I think she definitely needed to go and get help. In the interview that she made those comments in, she referenced a television show that she's doing. Chrissy Teigen had signed on to produce the television show. I think there was a lot of things going on behind the scenes that really warranted her, the need for her to, to kind of come out and get in front of it. There was also different things raised about the fact that she had called out two women of colour um, and obviously herself being a white woman, just not really understanding, which she actually then did address in that apology, which I think was really good. So to your point of saying like, you know, now you've got a whole army of people on the internet, people read into things that you say so much that she obviously was speaking so flippantly about it and had no idea. But the kind of things that people draw together and the depth that people read into things you have to be so careful about the things that you say. Because like on me first reading that, I didn't even think about the race thing until I had then read another article calling it out. And I'm like, shit, yeah, she totally has done that. But if I didn't even pick up on it, there's no way that she's going to. Well, that's why a lot of celebrities or people in the public, I do end up um, calling in a crisis expert or a PR expert. There's even a lot of PR experts now who are just specializing in these kind of pylons or cancel culture just because they're happening so much. And you really need one of them to come in and take a real aerial view of what's going on because if you're in the thick of it you can't always you know find your way out of it and so what we're seeing now is this whole little um, subculture of different apology ways that celebrities can go so you've got someone like Kevin Hart in 2019 who did like an apology tour do you remember when the um, tweets were resurfaced just before and he was cancelled from being the Oscars host yeah yeah and so then he just kind of his team obviously decided the best way out of that for him was to do a bit of a media a blitz in a way so he did like all his formal apologies via twitter and instagram he made appearances on tv shows like the ella degeneres show he spoke about it on podcasts and so their idea and the was netflix to kind documentary of do- yeah exactly so their idea was like go all in just really saturate his apology message as a kind of a tour and see if that will squash it which kind of did work i mean he's working again now so it obviously worked for him and then you've kind of got and this is what most celebrities go for is posting a really personal sentimental which they can only really do when the drama's about themselves but something like Justin Timberlake last year posting that really big apology to Jessica Biel and his family after he was caught holding hands with his co-star I feel like that one like a lot of PR experts reading their blogs and their statements think that it was written by 
uh, like a, a strategy firm just because of the language that was used and the way he talked about addressing rumors and that sort of stuff. But because it was posted just to his own Instagram and it was really emotional, people kind of let him off the hook a little bit because they feel like it was an emotional apology rather than a PR strategy. So I think we're seeing all these different little kind of subcultures spring up around public apologies and it's only going to get more intense as cancel culture continues to rise. Thank you so much for listening to The Spill today. We love seeing what you get up to while you're listening each day. So why not snap a pic and pop it on your Instagram story and tag us at Mamma Mia Entertainment. The Spill is produced by Hannah Bowman. We'll see you on mamamia.com.au. Bye. Bye. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.